Dear Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to gather together this morning to be inspired by your story through Scripture, your story being played out through each and every one of our lives. We just ask that through today's teaching, our discussion together afterwards, the conversation, our prayers, that each of us find ourselves feeling closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, this feels too loud for some reason. I'm going to turn it down just a smidgen because I get paranoid when it's like that. Uh, nice to see you guys this morning. We had a super great Easter service last week, and uh, it was fun to share communion a little more elaborately with each other, and um, I hope you had fun with your families and things like that. Um, I want to... Maybe I'll even start by prefacing, and I know you always say I don't need to do this, but I feel like I need to do this this morning. Like, I was up till like 2.30 having amazing conversation with Amy, and so I'm tired, I feel, and I did not sleep good after that. You're just like, oh man, what just happened? Like, can I do this? I almost called John and was like, here's my notes, John, just go for it, except, <laughs> except my notes were more of like a choose-your-own-adventure this week, so I was like, I can't give someone that, like, that's not, and it usually isn't that way. Um, but there's just some times when you, uh, like this, we started talking around nine and you blink and all of a sudden it's late, but the conversation's so good you just can't stop. It's those rare moments too where you get maybe a few of these a year that are this deep and this amazing and so you're like, okay, we just got to roll with this and just kept talking and going and, uh, it was so good and the right thing, and so I'm trusting that everything will just piece together for this as well, because it seems like those moments when, I don't know, you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit or your gut more, or it's not just Luke figuring everything out, is the times where something beautiful happens. But I want to talk today about, uh, and it was hard to figure out what to talk today about, because we spent so, we had some really good Lenten season um, conversations on just looking at people differently, broadening our perspective, looking at the people that Jesus loved or suffered for and why, like what's, what's special and how can we understand people better in this greater depth. And I really thought it brought us to this great place for Easter, which was big. And then after that, you're like, okay, where do we go from here? Like, shoot, everything I thought of or all the ideas I had been collating just weren't quite right for like the after Easter effect. Um, but I had so much notes on just... Um, the love of God being his power, there being something to that. Um, I was reading in Galatians, I was trying to figure out what uh, the next three weeks we're going to be reading through one of the epistles, and I was trying to finalize and pick which one. I was in Galatians, and there was this portion in Galatians 4.15 where... Uh, Paul is writing to this, this church, and he's, he's like, what's, what's happened to you guys? Like, something obviously changed in this group. And he's like, this place used to be so thick with love that if it were possible, you could have plucked out your eyes and handed them to me. Like, he's just like, there was this atmosphere of, like, such sharing and such love that, like, just ridiculous notions of generosity, you could just experience, and he's like, there's, there's just something tangibly different here now, that, that thickness, that love, that energy that I experienced before, something seems different, 
about this group. Um, there's ways that we're walking this out if we're followers of Jesus or living that um, if we're tapping into this divine energy, if God is love, if that's his essence, if that's his power, and that's kind of my suggestion today, like there's, there's atmospheres where the scriptures talk about it being thick, like it just being something that you can almost feel and you get your mind around. And um, I, I think we've experienced the loved ones less than we've experienced the opposite of that, where you walk into a room and the stress is so high that it's palpable, or like people are tense or something's going on, and you're just like, man, I can feel the energy of what's happening. I feel like some of these weeks where it gets super cold and everyone was excited for springtime, and all of a sudden it, we get. 12 inches of snow and it's freezing. Like, I feel like I walk down my block with Turkish, my dog, and I almost can feel the energy of people being like, no, where was the grass that was just here? What's going on? You can hear the faint cries in people's homes as they are looking out the window and just tearing up at what's going on. But there's a flip side of this that we see talked about, that there's, there's a way to walk in love. There's a way to experience this divine energy that... Um, it's, it's, it's something that the scriptures describe it as, as being thick and, and something that you can almost taste or touch or it's, it's just in the air. There's something there with it. There's moments I see some of you um, in the way that you embrace and love on people that is so inspiring that you get these moments of the divine must be with us. There's something got to be going on. Like this last Sunday, Liz and Chris had uh, a couple Bloom families over for Easter, along with, like, they were hosting Chris's family and TJ and Allie, and I think it was Jess and Sam. Like, they just found out that they didn't have places to go, and so they invite them in. And that always, there's something about that that always speaks to me, like something is going on here because um, God is in this place. Or you look at the way that uh, Nikki and Raina just, like, end up, like, taking in people all the time to live with them and take care of them and and they've got Tyree living with them well they've adopted Tyree their their son's best friend's mom passes away and the dad can't take care of all of them and it's like a moment later they're just jumped in and they're doing adoption paperwork and you're just like you even did 24 hours even go by they just were ready to do the right thing and make it happen and go in and you're like something amazing must be happening here like you can like these, these moments where you just tell that the love is so thick that something amazing is going on. Or I hang out with Brian and Kelly at their home and the way that they bring these people at work or family members or they just seem to have this collection of people that just need others and need to gather together. And they find them and they bring them together and there's food and beer and just something is happening. And you get you're invited there and you're there and it might be even like a UFC fight, which I could give a care less about, but... In the space of a UFC fight, men and women ripping each other apart, there's blood. It's, it doesn't seem like there's anything godly about this, but the room has this palpable feel of there's something more than this UFC fight going on here. Like there's, there's a connection, there's a camaraderie, there's a people that just needed to be loved on with someone next to them. And you, in the sense of what seems like senseless violence, there is an atmosphere thick with love at the same time. You're like, how, what's going on here? And it seems like there's more to this divine energy of God than we give it credit for sometimes or that we're even looking in the right spots. When I was a kid, my granny 
and my mom were always, oh, the glory of God. We want the glory. And they would talk about this glory of God. And um, I even remember I had some aunts or neighbors or something we were associated with the kids that went to some ladies retreat and they're like oh it was so thick it, it almost seemed like there was gold dust in the air and i'm just like bullshit like there's no way like you guys are just crazy that you're thinking this way and like it just seemed i don't know the way it was described maybe it just seemed like we were fishing for something that didn't make sense yet then when i start looking at at love or the scriptures that talk about love and how that god is love this is his essence this is his energy like there's if we talk about we're hoping the power of God shows up somewhere or that this the words that, that you hear thrown out there like glory, like this is love. This is the embodiment of something of, of bigger. This is everything it stands for. Everything can be boiled down to this. Uh, that power, that energy, that uniting force there, this is what's going on. We see we're hoping something happens and we start praying and prayer is amazing. We're inviting the divine into our situations, but we've talked so much at Bloom that we're his hands and feet, like he's inspiring us to do something. Well, what inspires us? What gives us that energy? What can actually animate you to get off your rear and love someone? It's, it's the power, this, this love that hits you. There's, there's something more. It's almost like, it almost feels dumb talking about it because it seems like divine voodoo or something. But there is, there's something to it. Once you experience it or once you walk in it, once it takes a hold of you and starts animating you, you can't describe it any other way. And so if this is so important, if this is such a, a big deal and I want to look at some verses, like why, why are we not, uh, like this is the place to settle and this is the place we always have to ring back around to because there's, there's so much here that it's all about. 1 John 4, 8, he says, anyone that does not love does not know God because God is love. It's, it's the essence of him. If we haven't tapped into that, if we haven't started doing that, we, we have no idea what this is because God's essence, his makeup, his one character definition is this word love. He's, um, he's so much bigger and timeless and inseparable than we even give notion to sometimes. Um, I love this verse in Romans 8, 29 through 30. It says, From the distant past, his eternal love reached into the future. And it's talking about how it grabbed us and moved us and done something different. It says, From times distant past, it has this like essence that this love and this divine being is, is, is timeless. It's not just God was always here. It's this love has got like a pull. It's, it's reaching into the future and, and ready to bring us to new depths. Like we were talking at Easter, it's inviting us to take a few steps further, to, to be more open-minded, to love bigger, to look differently, to invite someone who doesn't look like you into your circle and love them and be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's so inseparable. There's this, Romans also goes, he says, what can separate us from the love of God? He says, can troubles or hardships or persecution or hunger or pover, poverty or danger or even death? And the answer is absolutely nothing. It goes on to say that there's no heights, there's no depths, there's nothing absolute out there that can separate us from this yet at times we still get that old school thinking where we feel like maybe i'm not tapping into this song i'm not walking in love the way i should be and we feel like the divine isn't with us like we've strayed away yet there's nothing we can't stray away because he's inseparable with us like when it talks about the Holy Spirit coming, it, it talks about him being fused to our spirits. Like, how do you unfuse 
something, the two have become one, and now our spirit is joined with the spirit of God. Like, how do you, how do you rip that apart by stopping to walk in love? And so at any moment of any day, that same energy is always with us. We're just stopped paying attention to it. I've been doing this meditation app for the last year, and it's been wild to just pay attention to my thoughts more and what's going on. But they have this, like, this piece of teaching that they're always talking about, this little bit of advice that it's like, it doesn't matter how cloudy the sky gets, like when you're in an airplane and you go above that cloud level, you, you, it's always a blue sky. There's always the sun shining. Even though we can't see it or we think, and they're relating in meditation that to your thoughts, like just getting in the way. But it's the same way when it comes to this divine love. It's always there. It's always with us, yet we just have stopped paying attention to it at that moment or realizing or letting it animate us or something else. It, it's that the palpableness of it is, is available at every moment. We've just... And usually it's decided to run on our own steam. Like, oh, I'll, I got this for a while or something else. Instead of like slowing down again and be like, okay, what's, what's going on? We're looking for that still small voice, that whisper, that something more on the inside that pulls us into these greater depths of love. Ephesians 3 starts talking about how this love of the divine surpasses anything and everything previously experienced. In this prayer that, that Paul prays, he says that, um, he says that they would have the power to understand this love of the anointed, how infinitely long and high and wide and deep and how surpassing of anything and everyone previously experienced. May God in his fullness flood their entire beings. And I loved that idea of this fullness of God flooding our entire beings, but it's already there. I think there's a, there's a trouble when we think like, oh, I need God to flood me with his love, thinking that it's being withheld and not there. It's already there. This, the prayer he's saying is that we'd have the power to understand that it's already here, that we're already flooded, that it is here, that there's something going on. I remember when I was a kid, they would sing this like hymn in church, fill my cup and let it like run over. And there's, there's something to it, and it's a beautiful song, Yet it's super flawed at the same time because we're already filled. We already have all of God's energy on the inside of us. We already have this power. And it's not like we're looking, oh, I remembered I need to ask. My gas tank is empty and I need God to fill it up again. And no, you're already completely filled with these unfathomable reserves of love. And it's not just this cutesy kind of love that we talk about in grade school when we have a crush on someone or even the parent child like oh there's a i love my brother i love my mom and dad this it's there's something more to this this is the animating energy of everything is categorized as this word this is the power that changes something this is the something that we see uh palestinians and israelites fighting still over a piece of land and protesting, and shooting, and hospitals being overrun with people. There's no conversation or, um, obviously a military force isn't going to do this, but there, there's got to be people aware of the love that's already inside of them that can pull them to a greater understanding that this neighbor isn't their enemy, but it is their brother, their sister. We need to do this unity that's talked about through all scripture. If we want this to happen, it's it's each of us taking that place of being like, I have this energy already on the inside of me. The energy that created this universe, the energy that pulls us together, the energy that does it is already in me. 
It's waiting to be used. There's no magic formula to unlock. There's no way to live your life that's going to make it like, oh, I did those things right. I said the right prayer. I walked the right step. I did communion just right. And all of a sudden it unlocked this next. We leveled up as a follower of God and we can love a little different now. No, it's, it's always there. Matthew 5, 43 through 46, he says, you've all been taught to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy, but I tell you this, love your enemies, pray for those who torment and persecute you. In doing this, you become the children of your Father in heaven. After all, he loves each of us, good and evil, kind and cruel. He causes the rain or the sun to rise and shine on evil and good. He causes the rain to water the fields of the righteous and the fields of the sinner. He's not playing favorites up there, being like, oh, Doug's doing a good job. We're going to sprinkle some divine rain on him right now. And, oh, man, we've, Johnny's been a bad boy. And so we're going to, you know, maybe it's just going to dry up for a little bit. He says it, it doesn't matter how cruel or how amazing a person is. The sun is shining on them. He's causing rains in their field. He's blessing every one of us because he loves each and every person. Whether we would label them as an enemy of God or not means nothing to this, this kind of love, this kind of energy, this kind of power. I love how John, 1 John talks about how the opposite of love, um, we think a lot of times it's hate, but so much it seems when we, when we, we really get down to it, it's, it's more fear. And 1 John 4 says, love never invokes fear, and perfect love expels all fear, especially the fear of some kind of punishment. And so the one who fears punishment has not been completed through love or really understands that that love is already on the inside of him. Because this kind of power, this kind of love we're talking about, expels any fragment of fear that shows up. That's how energizing and amazing and powerful the essence of God It's interesting because it's an emotion, so we think of it like an emotion that can come and go with waves. And so since it comes and goes with waves, for me, the love I feel for Carrie or Doug or one of you, they must come and go for waves for God. But we, it was a descriptive of trying to get our mind around the essence of God, an essence that never leaves. He doesn't, isn't really more loving one day and is like, I'm really tired because I stayed up till 2.30 last night. And so I'm just a little more grumpy today. And so my love just shines a little dimmer, but it's there. It's... The fullness of this is ever-present and ever-radiating and coming out. Then we get to this portion of Scripture where in all the Gospels, it tells the same story Jesus is asked, you know, what's the most important part of the law? And he starts talking about loving God, loving the eternal. He says, with all... Love the eternal one, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. So this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, just as important, is love your neighbor as yourself. He says, in these uh, commands, we fulfill any prophet, any law, any requirement. The entirety of all this is spoken here. But listen, to, look at these words. Love the eternal one with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is like our essence. It's like fully commit to this love, but in the same sense, this is what love is, is all this. This is that same, this divine energy that can even allow us to do this is love. So he's just telling us to tap into what's already there, how you've been created. You are a being that's been created 
in the image of divine. But the image is not, I don't think God looks like us. I don't think he's got legs and arms. I really doubt it. I think the essence of what scripture talks about when these poets talk about us being made in the image is that the essence of what we are when it really comes down to it is love. We're made of this same substance. It's there, but it's, it's this it's these constructs, it's the us trying to protect ourselves, it's that when you get selfish and it's about, let me just protect my family first and get all my crap figured out and then I can maybe extend over my fence to look to someone else and to love someone else. And he's like, no, do it, do this here. I think there's something super amazing that it's love your neighbor. And it, it doesn't ever, it's, it's the people closest to us. I, I've been finding so much more lately that it's super hard to try to love the entire world all at once. I don't have enough energy to love the people right in front of me when I'm trying to do everything. But it's whoever crosses your path becomes your neighbor. He talks about the sojourner and the foreigner in your land. Like, you treat them better than even you would treat your family. It's like they're there now and they've become, they've entered your circle, your influence. And that energy, that love, that what, what makes you up, that needs to take care of them and to look after this and to do it. And so, in a sense, it's this, this call to big love and in a sense, it's a call to like little at the same time because he says, your neighbor He's like, look at who's around you and you like, love them with all your essence and energy because your essence and energy and what makes you up is love. And so by doing this, all you're doing is tapping into who you really are. And it feels, again, like something's right, like you're in tune with the song, like we've talked about this divine song that's being played out. And you feel like, oh, I'm in tune with this again. Now I'm in this rhythm. Something amazing is happening here. And so he says there's no greater commandment than this and yet, we spend all our time trying to figure out all this stuff, and it seems like we've got theological schools that spin folks into the weirdest depths of knowledge, into crazy weird stuff, and you're like, it's this simple. Jesus said at one point that it, out of the mouth of babes, he's like, kids should be able to share this. I love reading old uh, mystic Christian writers or theologians from a thousand years ago because they talk about this, this story of God and this story of love being so like, easy to share with people, it should be sneezable, they used to say. Like, it was contagious. Like, you could just like, sneeze and be like, oh, yeah, I got it all over me. I, I get what you're saying. And it seems gross, yet it seems, it's that easy. That, it's like, if it's more complicated than a kid could tell their friend, like, you've missed the point of all of this. You've overcomplicated it. You've turned it into... And it seems like all the systems and places, all of a sudden, what that's really doing is showing us, oh, you have so much knowledge into this. You're, we're going to put you in this camp. And, and Carrie, you just are still the sneezable level, so we're going to put you down here. And it, we're, we're ranking and filing and putting ourselves into these places when it seems like all Jesus was trying to do was tear down these systems of who's who and who's what, and make it simpler, yet we still, I don't know if it's the human brain or what, we like over-intellectualize this. We want to turn it into something that has all this crazy depth when there is some crazy depth, but if it, if it isn't rooted in this simple loving those that are around us with every essence of our energy, we're missing everything that we're talking about here. Romans 13 even goes on to be like, don't owe anyone anything except with love. He's like, this is a debt which can never end to love one another because the person who loves others has fulfilled the law. There's so much where we see these examples of fruits of the Spirit or ways to act out life or, 
or gifts you can hope for from God. And every one of these passages, if you look at them, it's like, yeah, okay, all these are really good stuff, but why don't you pursue the greater calling, which is love? Or the greatest of all these is love. Or it just keeps saying it over and over, and we're like, oh, yeah, love, that's a great thought. Like, swoot. Because it is, it, it really, it feels like weird even talking about it because it seems like, I don't know if we've over-abused the word where it just seems like fluffy and fruity now instead of like, Something that gives you awe and reverence and be like, what, like, I want to find myself, like, understanding the fullness of what this, this word can really mean and what this embodiment of God really looks like. First Corinthians tells us, if I have the gift of prophecy or I'm blessed with knowledge and all insight into all the mysteries, or what if my faith is strong enough to scoop out a mountain from its bedrock? Yet I live without love. If so, I am nothing. We can be some spiritual guru. We can be the whatever. And if we haven't tapped into this, it's just crap. It's just nothing. There's not, we've missed everything if we don't, again, circle back and make sure this is what's going on. John and Ephesians um, and Peter, it just, we're marked by love. It says, people will know that you're a follower of me, that you have a connection to God by the way you love each other, by the way you demonstrate this. They'll be like, oh man, I, can't, I haven't seen anybody love like that. This person must be tapped into God. This person must be a follower of Jesus. This should be the catapult. This should be the thing that like, like oh, there's something more about Miss Valerie because of the way she loves. She must be tapped into God and something going on there. Yet again, it's depressing when you see these surveys of people outside the faith of Christianity and they say, well, how would you define Christians? Love isn't in the top ten. I don't even know where it comes farther, but the things that are listed seem to be the opposite. And again, that isn't us and that isn't how we're living, but it doesn't mean that we still don't need those reminders that there's something more to this, that there's more power to available. This essence of love is always there. That blue sky thing, it's, it's, it's always there when you forget about it, when life gets busy. It doesn't, it's not, God hasn't left you. You haven't left God. The power isn't something that needs a refilling, and there's no magic way to do it by lifting our hands or saying a certain prayer. It's always there, and we need that reminder that it's always there. So I love this like call to communion even. He says, every time you eat bread and every time you drink wine together, which was a common practice, which is two, three, four times a day for them. He's like, when you're gathering together, turn this element, this normal everyday thing, turn it into something divine. Help this to be a reminder of my great love for you that I am trying to remove any obstacle that's keeping you from understanding that we're one, that this unity, that this love is already all around you. And John says, that no one has ever seen God with human eyes, but if we love one another, God truly lives in us. And consequently, God's love has accomplished its mission. Like it's, it's, he's like, yeah, that's great. We got this. It's not some roaring war that shows everyone. There's not this triumphant pack of white horses with people shining that shows up. He says, if we figure this out, if we get into Loving people, it's, it's, it's fulfilled. The mission of God is taken care of. So how do, we, how do we grab this? How do we go into this? How do we do it more? Romans 5.5 5 tells us, Hope will never fail to satisfy our deepest need because the Holy Spirit that was given to us has flooded our hearts 
with God's love. Again, it's the same, this word flooded again. Different group he's talking to, different set here, yet it's that same word flooded. And it's not a will flood, it's a post flood. It's already happened. Again, it reminds me of that verse at the beginning where love reached through the eternity into the future and infused us. It's, It's this energy that has always been keeping everything flooded with God's love. Ephesians 2, he says, But God, with his unfathomable riches of his love and mercy, focused on us, has unified us with the Anointed One, and infused our lifeless souls with life. Infused is such an amazing word, because again, like how do you, how do you separate something that's been infused with something? I think of things like welding, or like there's just... There's such a bond that how do, you, how do we rip that apart? And yet callously, even through our conversations and the way we act, it seems like we just think that love or God is this flippant thing that can be here or gone at just a, a breath instead of this infusion that can't leave and is always available and there. Paul talks about how the controlling force in our lives is the love of the anointed one. The controlling force, our animating energy it's used at other times in Scripture, is this love of God. It animates us. It controls us. It's, it's what's going on. If we're finding peace, if we're finding love, if we experience the culture of God among us already here and now, something we would consider heaven even, it's because we've tapped into what's already been infused on the inside of us. I love how John always refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. It used to actually annoy me when I read John. Like, this guy's kind of a wiener. He just is always like, oh, he wouldn't even refer to himself as John. And then the disciple that, and he's the author too. You're like, no one, you, no one else could write about you this way. Like, you're the one, like, and the disciple that Jesus just loved. He had his, he was resting his head on his shoulder and like everyone else was jealous or um, he's just, I mean, he is a little cocky. He talks about like when they were going to the grave because they heard Jesus was risen that the disciple that Jesus loved got there so much sooner than Peter and was like, what took you so long? Like, when you finally got there, like, I was here. And... But he had this idea of how much God loved him, or he just needed a reminder all the time that he would say this and write it, and we would actually translate it. It wouldn't be like, this guy is missing something here. We just need to put his name in instead of the disciple that Jesus loved. It's got to be in there like a thousand times. You just, okay, I'm hearing this again. Like, John, we get it. You know that Jesus loves you. 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, don't just talk about love as an idea or some theory, but make it your true way of life. Live in a pattern of gracious love. And so I guess as we go to discussion even today, how do we do this? How do we make it our true way? How, do we, how isn't it just this conversation on Sunday that's a theory that we're like, ooh, that was great. How does it become something that's fused in, that's our pattern, our way of life? I love these prayers that we see through the... Um, the Pauline epistles in Philippians. He says, here's what I pray for you, Father, that their love may grow more and more in wisdom and insight. Or the Thessalonians, he says, may the love of the Lord flood you with unending, undying love for one another and for all humanity, just like our love for you. Undying love for one another and for all humanity. Like this unending, depthless, never runs out of steam because it can't. Like there's just 
unfathomable amounts of this. And so prayer is one of the things I think we tap into here is we need that reminder. We need that, like, oh, I'm, I'm trying this on my own again. I'm forgetting that something is there. And we look to what's infused on the inside of us. And how do I live from that right now? How do I make this happen? Hebrews has got an amazing portion. And he says, let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love. And what a call is that for us as a community, as we gather, as we come together on Sunday mornings. And yes, we're trying to not just have this be a theory, but then the author of Hebrews says, how do you inspire each other to greater love? How do we do that? How do we, this this is something that's a call to us that we wrestle with, that we talk about, that we walk into and figure out what's going out. Again, we started with this verse in Galatians, and I think I'm going to finish with it. Again, Paul's around this church, and he's like, something has happened. What has happened with you guys? He's like, I tell you, this place used to be so thick with love. It, it was something that was, it was so, you could walk in and feel it. And it's not something we stir, it's something that can already be there. And it's something that's already here, in a sense. I love hearing if someone is new and walks in, they said, like, I really felt loved and appreciated, that people were interested in finding out about me, that something was more going on. And we've tried to do this, but I don't think this is a one-time thing that we just get in a rhythm. It's that, that stirring again, like, how do we stir each other into greater acts of love? And not love as being something we try to bring in, but tapping into what's already there. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be stirred up this morning. Um, We just ask that through discussion, you would help each of us with these ideas. How do we inspire each other to love greater, to tap into this essence that we're made of that's already here? This conversation of even what is being flooded with your life, post-tense, that it's already there. What does that look like for us? We just thank you that this is a place of safety that we can wrestle and talk and have great conversation and talk about our doubts and how this is hard. And we just ask that through today's conversation that we really do experience something greater this next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.